32-year-old Patty Vaughn went missing on Christmas Day of 1996 from her home in Lavernia, Texas. Patty's family needs to know what happened to her. And even if she's no longer alive, they need to be able to lay her to rest. Someone out there knows what happened. And together, we might be able to convince them to come forward. Welcome to another episode of The Unlovely Truth. I'm your host, private investigator Lori Morrison. I'm so glad that you've joined me for this captivating true crime story. And we're going to search out physical, spiritual, and emotional safety takeaways, along with helping Patty's family. If you're listening, I believe you have a unique calling to become a different kind of PI. Not a typical private investigator, but a person of impact. This is Season 4, Episode 46. As I said, our case for this week is that of Patty Vaughn. Because even after nearly 27 years, I believe this case is still solvable. So join me to investigate and share this episode all over the state of Texas and the world. Lying on the south bank of Cibolo Creek, Lavernia, Texas is a small town near San Antonio. Patty and her husband, Jerry Ray Vaughn, had been separated for a couple of months. J.R., as he was more commonly known, was very controlling, and Patty had told her friends and family that she was getting more and more frustrated. Those close to her said that Patty had told them that J.R. wouldn't allow her to even work, and he was very verbally abusive to her. Now, some of her loved ones suspected there was physical abuse as well. They had spotted bruises that Patty couldn't or wouldn't explain. J.R. was due to visit their three young children at the house they had shared that Christmas day. But Patty had special plans for later that evening. She was going to drop her kids off with her cousin so that she could visit an old boyfriend that she was perhaps hoping would become a current boyfriend. Patty never made it to her cousin's house. J.R. called that cousin to tell them that Patty was missing. And the next day, that cousin filed a missing persons report. That same day, Patty's van was found, but not Patty. Patty's cousin, Barb Kinsey, told News 4 San Antonio reporter Yami Virgin back in 2021, Patty was the sweetest person I ever met. Never had an enemy, very involved with her church, incredible singer, unassuming. Everyone who met her loved her. She was beautiful and didn't know. She never met an enemy, except the one she was married to. Patty's sister, Jeannie, last spoke to Patty the morning of the 25th. Patty told Jeannie that she and JR had gotten into another horrible argument. Patty's family tried to visit her that Christmas day, but JR told them that Patty wasn't feeling well and wouldn't leave her bedroom. Now, we all know our loved ones, and they didn't think that that sounded like Patty at all. Her ex said that he had sent the kids to his sister's house. Then after another argument, Patty left in her van. That also didn't sound like Patty. She was not the type of person that wouldn't spend as much time on Christmas as she possibly could with her kids. Patty also didn't show up for work at Quinney Electric on the 26th, that same day that her light blue 1991 Dodge van was found roughly 15 miles from her house and only five miles from Quinney Electric. Police say that one of the tires on that van had been intentionally deflated. They also found traces of blood inside. 
while her family was busy that day frantically searching for Patty. J.R. was racing to the courthouse to file for divorce. He also moved back into the house that they had shared. That house was searched, and authorities found traces of blood there, too, in the bedroom and the bathroom. They also found traces of blood inside a mop and bucket that was in the garage. It looked like someone had tried to do some cleaning up. DNA tests would later prove that the blood found in the van and the house was Patty's. To this day, no one has ever been charged with Patty's disappearance or her presumed death. That new boyfriend that Patty was supposed to meet, he cooperated with authorities completely and isn't considered a suspect in Patty's disappearance. He's also since passed away. J.R., on the other hand, moved from Texas with the children and changed his name, which I find really, really curious. Patty's now-grown children don't stay in contact with Patty's side of the family, so it's really hard to say what they've been told about their mother's disappearance. Two months after Patty disappeared, her mother broke into J.R.'s home at three in the morning and attacked him with a baseball bat. She was charged with burglary and assault, but those charges were later dropped. In 2005, J.R. had Patty declared legally dead so that he could get her life insurance money. Now, to stop him from getting that money, Patty's family filed a civil wrongful death suit. So, good for them. A judge ruled that the insurance money would be held in a trust for Patty's kids. In 2008, cold case detectives decided to re-examine Patty's case. J.R. still remains a person of interest, but authorities now believe that he may not have acted alone. Some evidence was reanalyzed in 2012, and it revealed DNA from an unknown female source. Police haven't publicly named any other persons of interest, but they believe that up to three friends of the family may have helped dispose of Patty's body. Authorities in the case say that there is circumstantial evidence, but as of now, not enough to charge anyone. That's where we can help. A lot of people from the great state of Texas listen to this podcast, and I hope you will all share it with your friends that live in the San Antonio area or who did back in 1996 when Patty went missing. Sometimes all it takes to break a case wide open is one new piece of evidence. We've seen a lot of cases where just hearing about a cold case can stir up memories for people or a desire to share information that maybe they once were afraid to disclose. So that's why I'm asking you, share this with friends, share it on social media, and let's try to get some more answers for Patty's family, and maybe we can even get Patty some justice. The Bible passage that I picked for this week is from Proverbs, which I know you've heard me say before how much I love Proverbs because it's just so practical. And this is from chapter 31. It's a little bit before we get into that Proverbs 31 woman. It's verses 8 and 9, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. In Patty's case, I firmly believe that there are people out there who have lost their voices, figuratively speaking. They know what happened. Now, Patty can't speak for herself. So it's up to someone who knows what happened to stand up for her right to have justice done. If you're listening and you're that person, 
you don't need to worry that you speaking up might get someone else in trouble. It's that person's actions that might do that, not reporting those actions. Police and prosecutors can only work with the information that's available to them. You can't finish putting a puzzle together if you don't have all the pieces. You might be able to say with reasonable certainty what picture that puzzle's going to make, but you still aren't done with it. Patty's case isn't done. It is still missing a few pieces. If you have any of them, look in the show notes for how you can contact authorities to tell them what you know. Someone, and maybe more than one someone, has literally gotten away with murder. While they've been free, who knows how many other people they might have hurt. Patty's family is certainly still hurting. So let's do all we can to help them now. And if you're in a situation where there's something going on in a relationship that you're not comfortable with, just like Patty was uncomfortable with JR's verbal abuse, not letting her have a job, and, and who knows what else was going on, reach out for help. Let people know what's happening. There are resources out there for you, and I'm going to put some links to those in the show notes too. If you see a friend or a loved one struggling with what you think might be abuse, just let them know, hey, I'm a safe person to talk to. I won't repeat what I hear. I won't judge you. If you just need to talk, I'm here. Then hopefully you'll earn the right at some point to offer more help. But just let them know that they have someone that they can share what they're going through with. That is so huge in starting them, hopefully, on a path where they will want to get away from the abuse. I'd love to know what cases or topics you'd like to see on the podcast in 2024. Send me an email at lori at theunlovelytruth.com or you can message me on social media, The Unlovely Truth Podcast on Instagram or The Unlovely Truth on Facebook. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'd also love it if you would go to Amazon.com, find my author page, and follow that. Now, beware, there is another Lori Morrison out there, and she writes on some kind of new agey topics. That's not me. So you can look up one of my books and find me that way, How to Kick Fear to the Curb, and God We Trust Everyone Else Gets a Background Check, or my newest, Reclaiming Sanctuary, Enhancing Physical, Emotional, and spiritual safety in our churches. Don't shy away from hard topics. I love it when people are willing to have those hard but impactful conversations. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. The music is by Neocortex, and artwork is by Shelby Highland. See you all next time.